0: Hello welcome to some Derp's Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango.
1: And I am your co-host, Buddy.
0: And today we're going to talk a little bit about Venom. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you show the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast.
1: (laughs) I don't know why I'm laughing. (laughs) On this podcast, we talk about games, but also movies. And today's movie is, in keeping with our tradition of basically just reviewing all the comic book movies that come out, Venom, uh, starring Tom Hardy, directed by, I think, Ruben Fleischer... Published by Sony. <laughs> Alright. Um I don't even know where to start. I
0: just <laughs> well, let's start with our spoiler free review because as as with uh all of all of these uh reviews it will be very spoiler heavy. Um and so uh uh let's let's do non spoiler reviews first and then we'll look at the spoiler warning. Why don't you go first, buddy?
1: Okay. So I think Venom is very bad, but it does that, like, it does that, like, thing that The Room does where it's so bad that it's also funny, in a way. Um, I don't think anybody really cared about this movie except for maybe Tom Hardy, who seems to, like, kind of get into it. Also, like, you know, the the actors seem to to get fairly into it. I don't think anybody's, like super phoning it in or anything like that but boy there are just some decisions in this film that are that are mind-boggling
0: yeah i i i had said it uh, yesterday but it's, it's it's a glorious pile of trash yeah um,
1: it is uh it is catwoman level bad it is green lantern level bad i think but it has that special spark of weird that just makes it. I I just laughed a whole lot.
0: Yeah, like, no, I, I nearly busted. <laughs> bust the gut, and and I don't think it's quite the room, right? Because like, it, it it has some it has some intentional jokes that I think are were, were pretty funny, like, yeah. um, just like maybe a weird in weird places and like, just like you said, some weird weird decisions, but uh, like, Yeah, I also
1: I, don't think yeah yeah yeah
0: I, I was I was gonna say I, I would recommend going to see this movie. For the laughs, don't go expecting a super serious movie, but I, I think it's funny enough that I, that it's worth seeing. Like I, this might become my new go to, like like dumb dumb movie to watch. Like I, I watched, I've watched Mortal Kombat like a dozen times, not because it's good, but because it's hilarious. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, it is like The Room insofar as I think it has the potential to become like a bad movie night cult classic sort of movie. Um, But I think The Room was an earnestly made movie Made by an inept man, right? Like, I think, you know, Tommy Wiseau was trying really hard with The Room I don't think anybody was really trying super hard for this movie Um, It's kind of... I don't know why It's just funny, I just laughed a whole lot Yeah Uh, My my theater was also kind of, like, into it Yeah,
0: yeah, mine too
1: which I was really surprised about because I thought some stuff was hella dumb.
0: Yeah, I mean, I it was it was very dumb. But I, like, there was one point during like a quiet scene that I just like started cracking up because of the, the absurdity of, of the movie. But I, I think this might be a good place to put a spoiler warning before we jump too hard into it. So, spoilers yeah, yeah, for yeah. Venom, um, possibly spoilers for other superhero rela- re- uh, superhero related movies that have come out, or you know, just other movies. Um, uh, probably spoilers for Batman v Superman, because we can't avoid talking about that movie ever. Uh, so <laughs> uh, so um, if you want to see any of those movies and not be spoiled, uh, skip uh, sk- skip the rest of this, I guess. Uh, maybe skip to the end and listen to our personal updates, but we don't usually have a reliable timestamp for that. So, you know, travel at your own risk. Um, yeah, so getting into it... Um, like so what I wanna say a couple of things that I thought were good, right? Like I, like I said, I thought okay, there was, okay. sure, sure sure. There was some legitimately like a couple of legitimately good jokes um in there. Uh, I forget exactly what they were off off the top of my head, but the thing I really wanna focus on I actually thought that the symbiont fight between uh Riot and uh and, and Venom was actually oh really cool looking.
1: Really? I hated that. I thought that was bad. It was black on gray on black because it was, like, at night. And I was just like, this is the definition of, like, muddled action. I, there so, was some there was some stuff in there that I thought was actually okay, uh, I will say. but
0: So I, I, I totally get that, and I, I, I do agree with that. But I liked kind of the concept and the execution on the parts where, like, they're, like, they are, the two suits are fighting each other and then the then Eddie and, and uh, the the CEO guy are fighting each other inside like I thought that was just like a, a cool idea and, and it, yeah I,
1: yeah yeah I think that that's where it got good where when Riot was trying to rip the suit off of Eddie yeah um, I think that like basically when they were doing stuff with kind of like the goopiness of the two suits fighting each other I thought that that was cool and cool and interesting um that only really happened once they got like up vertical on the rocket a little bit, and all this stuff horizontal on the rocket was just like bad. <coughs> well, mostly because yeah. it was black on gray in at night. Yeah, I I,
0: I, I can I can go along with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I think those are those are the things that I think were really that really stuck out. I at liked
1: me. I liked Riz Ahmed. I liked a lot of the casting in this. Movie. Oh yeah,
0: yeah I'll, um, I'll give you that too. Yeah.
1: Because it was very kind of out of left field, and you typically don't see Riz Ahmed in this kind of role. Like, you know, because he is so, like, sort of quiet and soft-spoken. Um, you know, he... Th- this is, like, his role is a role that gets played by, you know, middle-aged white guys with gravitas, right? Like, Brian Cranston. And so, I, I think probably the best thing that Venom ever did was cast uh, Riz Ahmed and go with kind of his... Character Like, you know, like, his his natural strengths into, like, into that character.
0: Yeah, he, he definitely nailed, like, Silicon Valley visionary type um well. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, kind of, like, aspects of Elon Musk and whatever. Uh, I felt like
1: Elon Musk must be sitting in a theater watching this movie and be like, yo, this whole movie is subtweeting me. Like, <laughs> like I felt like that whole thing was, like, a direct call out of Elon Musk in particular. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no I,
0: I, I feel that little, yeah yeah I I don't know I, I feel like it's a bit far to suggest that like Elon Musk would be like killing people but yeah, yeah, this, yeah no, I sure, mean sure. But that, that's that's just kind of typical like you know like uh, you know science fiction man play gods type stuff um
1: God did I think anything else was good I like this movie didn't really have themes. But insofar as the theme... I, I kind of wish that they leaned into to this idea a little bit more, which is that Venom is not a good person. He is, you know, clearly a, you know, kind of corrupt jerk. But in li- like, so in the comics, for instance, Venom thinks of himself as a superhero a lot of the time. Um, and, he f- and he doesn't understand why Spider-Man is coming after him or whatever. But it is because of stuff like, you know... Uh, biting people's heads off or whatever, so he kind of does that, like, he kind of does that, like, Punisher thing where he, he like, crosses the line, and, like, that's that's part of what makes him, uh, what makes him bad. But Eddie Brock legitimately thinks that he is, you know, helping people and saving lives and all this other kind of, uh, and all this other kind of shit. So, um, I kind of, I, I liked what we got of that, and that the movie didn't shy around the fact that Venom was biting people's heads off um but i also kind of wish that it went a little bit harder you know on on that stuff i feel like maybe they just couldn't get away with like an like an anti-hero main character in that sense
0: yeah they also made some really like weird decision like like you you called it out yesterday and I, i totally agree with you like the you know like Venom's like this. This could be your only a chance to apologize to her. I
1: I, like, I said what? what the fuck in the theater when he said that, and the whole theater started bursting out laughing because we all had this collective realization. I'm like, what? Yeah, I, is it his therapist? I don't understand. What? <laughs> How does he know that he needs closure?
0: Like, is yeah. there like
1: some chemical in his brains that like he's reading.
0: I just yeah. I, I'm. <laughs> but part of it, two is they were super consistent about how the symbiotes worked, right? Like, it, it, initially, it seemed like he knew he he like Venom knows a lot more about Eddie than, um, like that he has some like access because he's melded with him. But they, they they play off of that, and they also like you know like the experiment stuff. Like the symbionts die. The symbionts die if they can't find a host, except for apparently Riot, who can survive in Asian women. And tiny girls for any amount of time.
1: Can I talk can I talk about that? Because that is the dumbest thing, and I can totally see the like cutting room floor of what happened. Like I'm pretty sure that the moment where Riz Ahmed bulks up into riot for like Eddie when he's restrained for the first time. That that's supposed to be a surprise. Right? that that's supposed to be like a surprise reveal like oh this whole time Rizamed has been bonded with the symbiote and you know and he's trying to, and that's why all of this stuff is you know like that's why all this stuff is happening um but they completely undercut that plot twist or anything anything along those kinds of lines because they just show they have this like weird thing where riot is moving through South Asian southeast asia and then these asian women into the little girl who inexplicably just shows up in the depths of the lab that we've seen is incredibly like secure and locked away yeah, right. how did she
0: get there you know I mean? like, and his response what? isn't like his response is is like are you lost like
1: yeah i got right lost what I- <laughs> I couldn't handle that, dude. Oh, my God. And, like, and it suggests that the symbiote is, like, somehow aware and cognizant of the deepest machinations of the the corporation. And, like, how did the symbiote learn this shit? You know, did it watch CNN in Asian people bodies in Southeast Asia and learn that, oh, the Life Foundation is sending these rockets up to go do things and oh now that, that's what we were on we were on the rocket and now we can use his other ro- you know what i mean like all of that all of that there's nothing of that it just well I, there, there's we a throwaway line rocket. right
0: like that this was planned like presumably they've got they're like they're like an advanced squad for like like that they intended to be caught to, to be brought back to earth um and you know it's it's not super satisfying but yeah, yeah, It's just, like, a lot of details that you, you fill in yourself, right? Like, somehow they figured out about the planet, and they figured they jump on the spaceship. Um, yeah. Uh, again, that goes at odds with, like, Venom, like, not understanding, like, anything that's happening on the planet. Um, but, you know. <laughs> uh, What else? Uh, I, think,
1: I think the most accurate tweet I saw about Venom was that Tom Hardy was simultaneously going for an Oscar and a Razzie with the same performance. Uh... Because, boy, did he really go for it. You know? Yeah, that was like I, that was a
0: super fucking hammy performance. I fucking loved it. Right? I loved
1: it, too. I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was so funny. Um, especially, I could probably just sit there and watch, like, Eddie weirdly talk to the symbiote all day. <laughs> yeah, right? Just all day long like that. <laughs> oh, my God. That was just so funny. Um, I,
0: I, I like the, the last part where he's just like, Walking down the street, talking to himself, and everybody's like looking at him like he's a fucking crazy person.
1: <laughs> <laughs> See, this is the, this is the crazy thing about a Venom movie. This is what is just so bonkers about Venom. Venom is a bizarro version of Spider-Man, right? Like, this is what's like you know the suit was the Spider-Man suit for eight years. Then oh, the suit is actually killing Peter Parker, and then you inver- and then you introduce this like inverted, dark. You know, reflection of Peter Parker, Eddie Brock, the unscrupulous, you know, reporter-photographer who's doctoring his photos. This was in the early 90s, before that was normal. Um, who's doctoring the photos that he's taking and all this other stuff. And then, oh, you know, Peter Peter goes into the bell tower and debonds from from Venom. And Venom finds his way to Eddie Brock. And then all of a sudden, now you have a big bulk... You have a... You have Spider-Man, and you have a bigger, bulkier Spider-Man with, like, the powers of this fucking symbiote suit or whatever. So, like, this is basically like if, if Warner Brothers was like, man, you know who needs their own movie? Bizarro. But we can't mention Superman... Or interact with Superman <laughs> and the Superman mythos at all, <laughs> and like that's the foundation of our movie. That's what that's what like Venom is. So there's just no way this movie is good, even if it is like just just because of like the contract bullshit between Spider-Man and like the MCU and Sony.
0: So I I, I will say that like I don't I don't think that this movie can't be good. Like I thought they did a reasonable job with kind of like the the the, like very anti-heroish nature of it and like i think you could have done that better i think that's where venom lives like basically this is a spawn movie um with the venom name slapped on it maybe if that makes sense um like i i I get your point and i i think i think he makes he's a better character kind of um kind of in a in reflection of uh uh, of spider-man but but I, i think it can work um Speaking of which, I was I was for like when the second uh, post credit scene, which is meanwhile another universe, and it goes into the into the Spider Verse trailer, yeah. which looks awesome by the way. Um, I was hoping, like for a half second, I hoped that it was going to be like footage from like the Avengers series, and like that was going to be like the the link reveal, but because uh, I, I think I think that would be really cool that if you could uh, like if if they integrated Venom into into the Avengers somehow. Um, I don't know how you do it or nothing you know the, the MCU somehow I don't know how you would do it without it being like goofy but um, Yeah,
1: especially cuz like San Francisco just got completely fucked up by like Ant-Man.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I am not Do you know why everything is set in San Francisco? Do you as a you uh, know, former San, San Franciscan... Franciscan?
0: Um I don't I so it's in California. I, I, I have to I have to I would have to guess that it's it's very distinct. It's a very distinctive town. It's also right. like within relative closeness to to uh, to Los Angeles, right? Um, and uh, I feel like you can you get good can get good B roll, right? Like like uh, that, that that's what happened with the room, right? Like they spent a bunch of time just. It's like oh, we could just do the San Francisco hills. That that's fine. It instantly establishes where you are. Um, yeah, and like I recognized when they were doing the driving scenes, I I knew some of the a lot of the places they were going to, and I don't think it connected properly. Um,
1: really? Because I I felt like a lot of that was just like Atlanta.
0: Just like like what? Because you
1: know how, you could because you know how, like films. So like a lot of films shoot in Atlanta now because Atlanta gives these like giant tax credits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, like to, to make a film industry happen there or whatever. Um, and uh, and I felt like a lot of the scenes in this movie. I guess I almost felt like they were a little like. I don't know. I don't know if I have a good if I have a good enough sense for when it specifically swapped between them.
0: So, but. So, so, yeah, so the, the chase scenes were definitely on p- parts of San Francisco that I recognized. Um, okay. The, so the other big thing about integrating that would cause a problem is uh, I am positive that the area where the, like, Via Life Corporation or whatever it is was in a shot somewhere in Ant-Man. Like, it's, it that's... Oh, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. yeah. That ra- is
1: way too iconic. Definitely. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's, like, right over the bridge. Like, that's, like, when you were looking at the Golden Gate Bridge from the San Francisco side, that's the mountain in the ba- back... Backdrop. Yeah, it's isn't
1: like, that the, isn't that the park? Isn't that all National Park?
0: Uh, I think so. I think it used to be an old military installation too. There's some, like, old, like, uh, structures there, but it's mostly just oh, the okay, hiking cool. area. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. um pristine. Very beautiful. Um.
1: Yeah, because I've always wondered why there wasn't, like, more, quote-unquote, city on the other side of the the Golden Gate Bridge, and then I learned that, oh, right, like, there's a big-ass state park there. Yeah, yeah. Um. Uh.
0: Yeah, it also the weird the over there, too.
1: And uh, then they go to the top of that one building that's, like, the whatever that pyramid building yeah, is. Yeah,
0: yeah, I forget, forget what building that is, but yeah. Um, now, they look right over the whole city. Uh,
1: yeah, I thought this movie had some uh, shockingly bad editing, too. For instance, I really enjoyed how Eddie walked into the convenience store in the middle of daytime and walked out four hours later at night. <laughs> like, I... There was, there was a lot of stuff like that that I felt was, uh, you know, not the best. Nobody cared.
0: Yeah, it's, it's those things you let slip because you're just, like, enjoying this fun goofball ride somehow. Like, not the movie. I, you know, I have to say that the thing I was most concerned about was that they had cut
1: the turn in the wind line. Because Is that, the that f- was that was what everybody made fun of when that trailer came out. Um Everybody was making fun of Turn in the Wind because it was so dumb. It was such a stupid. And I know it's from the comics. Okay, fine, whatever. And I'm typically that guy that's like, oh, well, it's from the comics, right? But, like, no, like, okay. Seriously, that line is, like, that line is dumb and very cringy. Um and uh, and I was like, "Oh no, they cut it. They cut it from the movie." And then right at the end, that's when it like it, it came back and he says like the turn in the wind thing. And I was just laughing my ass off. And I don't know how infectious that laughter was, but everybody in the theater thought that it was really funny that that's how they ended the movie with. I
0: with also think I also think that line fits pretty well with 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 that venom, right? Like Yeah. Like he's kind of like Weird weirdness, like you know, like it, like you know, menacing but a little bit like goofy, a little bit off kilter. I'm kind of a loser on my home planet. Uh, Oh my god, (laughs) I
1: laughed so hard when he said that, and I understand what they were going for, and I appreciate it because, like, as a person who responds to stakes, right, that's a stakes raising moment. Here's Riot, and he's making metal out of his own symbiote, and he's like cutting. I mean, he's just, like, for no reason at all, lopping all of the heads off of all of the scientists. Actually, I shouldn't say for no reason at all. It's for a very obvious reason. It's for the reason that why the fuck doesn't anybody call the cops when they see two symbiotes fighting on the fucking rocket ship? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, like, he, like, lops all of these, like, heads off or whatever. Um, and so, obviously, like, Riot is much more powerful than than the Venom symbiote is. Um, but... Uh, I, I I thought it was just so funny to hear the Venom symbiote say, well, I'm kind of a loser.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's, it's also, like, just the weakest excuse for him to be, like, for him to be against the people that he came with. You, yep. like, the, the explicit reason he came to the planet. Yep. It's like, what? I was very confused about that, too, because, like,
1: you know... They they did this they they did this whole thing with uh, and I and at first I was kind of like oh well you know like he's eating Eddie and they're gonna have to do something with how like oh well now Eddie's gonna have to keep eating heads because. You know, he's a vampire now and he's got to start sucking blood someday or else he's going to die because the symbiote is going to, like, eat all of his organs or whatever. But they completely swerved that, like, interesting kind of deal with the devil plot point, right, where Eddie bonds with the symbiote and is forced to do, you know, gruesome acts of cannibalism in order to keep the symbiote from devouring him. Uh, and just kind of were like, oh, I just did that because I wasn't friends with you, but now we're friends, so I'm not going to eat your liver anymore.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I also don't know if that was the, like, I, I, I didn't get the sense that that was, like, the reason that, um, like, he, he was, uh, like, I didn't get the intention that Venom was intentionally killing Eddie. I got the impression yeah. that that was just kind of, like, a side effect. Um, and that... I don't know I I just thought it, I thought that whole plot point was very poorly explained right um yeah cuz uh uh like you know they they talk about he, how he's dying and um Venom says I can fix it and that's the end of it apparently that's true um
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I was actually <laughs> hoping that there would be something kind of along the lines of like fuel that like the symbiote need would need to um Like, in order to keep the powers and, like, the the suit working correctly, um, Venom would continually need to bite faces and eat brains um, in order to, like, keep his, like, protein high or something kind of along those lines. Um, And so, like, hypothetically, you could tire out the suit or whatever if it, it like, you know, if he's doing all this work to protect Eddie but Eddie isn't feeding it kind of thing. Um,
0: But apparently by the end of the movie, the, the suit likes Tater Tots and chocolate.
1: I know. I was like, and I, because they specifically they specifically mention how they they feed it enough nutrition to like keep an elephant alive or whatever, but right. it's not working because it can only feast on like organs or something. Um, and I was like, oh, because that's where the the genesis of this like plot point kind yeah, of came yeah, up yeah. with. And I was like, oh, that's kind of clever.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think part of that you can explain away with you know there was imperfect synthesis. Um, although apparently that's not as restrictive as we think, because like, like you said, right, right. Keeps that one old Malaysian woman alive for six months. Right. Cause he, he, he takes control of her. Uh, oh my God. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before he goes, before he goes into the kid. Right. I was just kind of expecting a character to show up at some point and like them to flash the eyes and be like, oh, you know. I didn't think you needed to explicitly sh- I thought that's what the time skip was going to be like. You, know, you didn't need to explicitly show how Riot got from Malaysia to San Francisco. You just have a character show up guys and flash the eyes be like, it's been a reasonable amount of time, right? Like, Yeah. That, that, this makes some modicum of sense. Um, uh, especially since, like, apparently, that woman's just been walking to the airport for six months. <laughs> yeah, after she murdered... She like
1: murdered a bunch of people in a marketplace, in a crowded marketplace. Well, he was he was right? technically
0: in the uh, in the hospital worker's body uh, when he did the murder. Oh, when he murdered people, yeah, and then yeah. he
1: switched to the old woman's body. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was that was very that was so dumb. Yeah, I th- I I really think that there is some cutting room floor. Uh, Tom Hardy is quoted as saying that about forty minutes of the movie got left on the cutting room floor, and I would be. So interested to see what they cut yeah. to put in this, like, weird subplot for, like, how Riot gets into fucking Riz Ahmed. Yeah, I... Because, <laughs> like, I feel like if if we had no indication of how Riot got into Riz Ahmed and then, boom, he's there, I think that that actually might have been a pretty effective plot twist. Um Like, I don't know, I I don't know if, like, nitpicky fanboys on the internet would be willing to kind of go with that, or if they would be like, well, how did Riz Ahmed's character get the fucking symbiote in the first place?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I feel like you would, like, I feel like you could do the reveal and then do, like, a a post, like, explanation, right? Like,
1: oh, yeah, yeah, like you know that rocket wasn't the first rocket i sent up i sent one up three years ago and it brought back this symbiote that bonded to me and now i need to go get you know the rest of the fucking symbiotes or something like
0: that yeah or or like you know um you you like he he, it's there's a reveal and then you see like in like some room somewhere there's the body of like the asian worker that they they brought into the lab or something right like yeah. yeah yeah um I think you could have done that effectively. I also, so it's interesting because I feel like, I feel like even if you, even if we got like a director's cut version of this, I don't think it stops it from being like, 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 you know, gleaming trash, right? Like, I think it just kind of fills out some of those plot holier points, right? Like, does that make sense?
1: I yeah, I don't like if you keep the if you keep like the interaction between Tom Hardy and Venom and all that stuff the same, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm super with it. In a certain sense, I was actually kind of on board with Venom when it was doing that sort of I mean, I wasn't really on board with it, but um cuz it lost so many points early just like doing dumb shit. But like I kind of like that first fight scene where Eddie doesn't know what he's doing and like in a weird way Tom so, Tom Hardy very much like sold me on the fact that like Oh, my body's not under my control, and now I'm kicking the shit out of these, like, SWAT bros or whatever. Um, but then I felt like the action got too goopy, and it uh, lost me from there. Uh,
0: I, I, I thought it was neat because he didn't do the typical, like, whoa, what's happening type of thing, right? He just kind of was like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll roll with it. Uh, we'll figure it out later. <laughs> Um, and I, I thought that was just interesting because it was, it was different, right? I think it fit very well with, like, that Eddie Brock personality that they built for him. I mean, he's, that, per- my, my, my understanding is that Eddie Brock's kind of just an asshole in, in, in the comics. Is that correct, or am I?
1: Yeah, his, his, like, whole thing is just that he's, like, a dick.
0: Yeah, and they have a bit of that here, right? Like, um, obviously, like, going into your fiancé's work documents for, like, that. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, that was kind of unethical.
0: <laughs> Just a little bit, um, you know. And you know, it shows that he's he's a greedy bastard. Well, <laughs> I
1: was actually really excited when they when they kind of set up this thematic idea of like you did this to you. Um, I thought that was what they were going to kind of like that. This was going to kind of be about Eddie Brock's sort of like Faustian deal with the devil, and that like the ending would be tragic. Because, like, Michelle Monaghan would, like, look at Eddie and just be like, you've turned yourself into, a like, a monster or whatever. And kind of, like, go that sort of route with it. Uh, but then they didn't, and I thought it was very lame and dumb. I,
0: I, I, I don't know. I, I, I like the kind of, like, I don't think it makes, I don't think it's good. But I really like this, like, deranged rom-com subplot, right? Like, like. <laughs> Fucking, probably
1: the yeah probably the best part of the movie I think was when he like crashes their fancy dinner yeah, yeah. and he ends up like eating the raw lobster out of the <laughs> out of the tank like, I don't know if that, like that was just purely like Tom Hardy sells me on like his weird manic interpretation of like this character and like what's going on. But I just I had a ball with that. I thought that was yeah. super funny.
0: Yeah, I also I also liked Dan's character, right? Like, you know, like he's, he's a real bro, right? Like, I, he just, <laughs> this, this, this guy's <laughs> my, my patient. Yeah. Um. But kind of uh, uh, along with that, right? Like, um, this this manic rom com bit, like the end of the movie where uh, where Venom's like, he doesn't, she doesn't know we are going to win her back. Ha ha ha! Right? like. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I don't know why but that, that just works so well for me like i don't I, I feel like i feel like this is like this is like a better deadpool in some ways right like i, I don't know I, I don't know how 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 they did it um but it's oh man i i, I am i'm like <laughs> i i enjoyed this movie way too much for how bad it is but this is actually, this is actually an interesting, I think, kind of question that I, I wanted to bring up. Because, um, uh, uh, you know, we, as we always do, we compare this to other things. And, you know, I, I was thinking about this in comparison to Batman versus Superman. Um, uh, because it's my turn to bring it up. But uh, essentially, right, like, I think this is a worse movie than Batman versus Superman. Like, technically, and like, is probably the best way to put it. Um, right, but I am so much more entertained by this movie than I was by BVS. I thought, I know you're you're a big fan of BVS, but I I was I thought BVS was just kind of like serviceable but mediocre. Um, Fair enough. And I, I the question that I kind of ask is like, does that make what what does that say about like uh the, like the actual quality of the movie? Right, like well, yeah, is, So this is, so this is an interesting
1: kind of thesis I have. On on like the quality of like art and stuff like that, which which is baked into some of the other things we've talked about, like how you know like I don't think Star Wars is that good, like from a from a quality standpoint, right? It is good for its time, right? And I and we talked about that like iconically, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, humans just get better at things the more we do things. Right. And so the movies we are making today are better than the movies that we made 40 years ago. That is normal and to be expected. And what we do is we kind of put on a filter, right? Like our kind of iconic filter. And we say, oh, well, in 1977, this was really revolutionary and innovative and groundbreaking. So for its time, it was amazing. And I definitely agree with that kind of like idea or sentiment. Like, I mean, and and I think Venom is a kind of a great example of that. I think if Venom had come out in the mid '90s, we would all be like, "Wow," you know what I mean? Um, just because it is coming out in a different kind of context and in and, and you know culture and ecosystem uh, when it when it comes to like movies. I also think movies in the '90s really fucking sucks. But anyway, um, but uh, but another piece of this kind of like quality thing is like pulling out the difference between. I think this is good, and I like this, or I enjoyed this. Sure. Right? One of those is a set of criteria that we kind of, uh, you know, none of this is objective, but it is more objective than the other version of, right? So it's a set of criteria that we say object, are, are objective, right? This has good cinematography, good editing, right? Uh, you know, a great soundtrack and an interesting plot and like the acting was amazing or you know like whatever it else kind of things right like right and we assign some kind of like neutral sort of criteria and like metrics as a sort of culture to that sort of stuff but then there's a whole nother set of criteria that get assigned to these things that are the did i like it criteria right and that set of criteria are your tastes right so like i have a tough time with movies that are like um Lady Bird. Right, which are super small very contained stories about very you know like small low-stakes stories about small low-stakes lives and I know certain people can get into that but I have a tough time getting into it and I have a really easy time getting into like the over-the-top melodrama and bombast of uh, a Batman versus Superman right because like I like opera um, when it when it comes to these sort of things but those are my tastes right And so when, when I'm talking about quality a lot of the time I'm trying pulling my tastes, ...out of it, and I say, yep, Moonlight was the best movie of 2016. But when I say, but when I look at my tastes instead of that quality, and I say, well, what movie did I like the most in 2016? Obviously, it's Batman vs. Superman. And that creates a, a, a kind of matrix, right? Where you can say, okay, well, a movie can have quality independent of how much I like it, right? And I think when you have a movie that you like a lot, but whose quality you recognize is bad, that is a guilty pleasure, Right? And then the opposite of that, which is a movie that is very good, but that you don't like all that much, is... I don't know. but There's not a name for that. But that that also happens. Um, And so, I think Venom is a perfect example of a true blue guilty pleasure. It is awful, from a qualitative standpoint. But it has a lot of stuff in there that are appealing to... And on on a on an enjoyment level, right? Like I, I you know I think th- it shares a lot of traits with stuff like the room, such that the, uh, the a subculture I guess of tastes, let's say, like a subculture of tastes can kind of like form around it, and we can put it on best of the worst lists or whatever. Um, especially as like a huge like mainstream blockbuster. Um, but I think that it is. Does that make sense? Do you I, see what
0: I'm saying I'm, I'm getting I'm getting what you're saying, um, I I I think that that's all valid. Maybe this kind of speaks to like the deeper purpose of media, right? Like you know, yeah. it, it is at some level to entertain. So if it entertains, and um, first question, um, would you count Transformers as a guilty pleasure? Because I kind of saw some parallels between like the hate Transformers gets and this movie in some ways, right? Like.
1: You know, to be honest with you, in a lot of ways, yeah. I, I kind of like the Transformers movies, uh, which is to say that the I think the culture is too hard on them and that they are not the worst things ever. I think the worst movies ever are forgettable movies, right? Um, so I'm actually more inclined to say that Transformers is good... And, you know, something from four years ago that came out, that came and went and we completely forgot. The Battleship movie. Do you remember the Battleship oh, movie? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That was a that was a bad movie. And it is more proof of Hollywood is really bad and out of ideas than Transformers is, right? Like, whether or not you like Michael Bay, and I kind of do and I kind of don't. Um, I think he is at least enough of an auteur to be memorable and that is kind of – that kind of, like, speaks to something in the Transformers movies that also make them memorable and interesting, whereas movies like, you know, Battleship are not. Um, But I definitely get the same sort of feeling out of Transformers that I do out of, like, Venom. Like, there's a lot of stuff in Transformers, right? In Transformers 2, John Turturro – Famed character actor John Turturro, who has Oscar buzz all the time, you know, and it's like he is a he is a well-respected member of this industry, is climbing the Great Pyramids of Giza with a radio, and he is whispering in the radio to the United States military, "I'm directly under the enemy scrotum." <laughs> What? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think the same thing is true for Transformers than it is for Venom. But I think the difference is that Transformers is like a true blue beloved property. And it is something that could have been done well and earnestly. I mean, just look at the way people are reacting to the Bumblebee trailer for proof of this, right? So Transformers gets more visceral hate because it is an adaptation of thing of, of a thing that people really like and enjoy. Uh, Venom is kind of not that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, Venom is like, so I, so he, I, he's popular, I guess, but he's not. I don't know.
0: So so kind of in in that vein, right? Like, I, I get what your this, this guilty pleasure stuff. This relates to Transformers as well. Um, okay. This this guilty pleasure thing when it's on a kind of like an individual basis, right? Like, you know, you you know, you really like this really terrible movie, but it just like tickles your funny boat in the right way. Um, Even though, even though mostly people don't like it. Um, And these are, I guess are movies that have like cult followings essentially. Um, But um, is there, is there a meaningful difference when like that seems to be like the movie going populace as a whole, right? Like, like, for instance... um Like,
1: do we turn around on The Room and say, actually, The Room is a really good movie because of how many people go and watch so, it and enjoy it or whatever? Not
0: necessarily The Room, right? Because The Room... So, so I, I feel like there, there's an effective difference because the, like, The Room is trying to be earnest. um And it's all unintentional, right? Sometimes Venom is trying to be funny. It just, like, has a bunch of, like, weird stuff along the way. But... Just to put it to, to, to...
1: Okay, I feel that. Okay, so so for instance, I don't think Batman vs. Superman is a great movie, right? Though I do think it is better than the movie going populist gives it credit for. But, like, Batman vs. Superman isn't something I would consider a guilty pleasure. And it's also not something I would consider on this sort of level because at the end of the day, my enjoyment of Batman vs. Superman boils down to being with the movie, if that makes sense, right. right? I get what Zack Snyder is going for. I think it's really cool and really interesting. And I am... Um, and the movie appropriately, shall I say, sells itself to me, right? But there's also this certain element of like, so this is interesting. There's a certain element of like The Room or like Venom, where it is enjoyable despite itself, right? right. Venom thinks it's cool. Venom thinks it's like edgy and like badass, right? And wants to be, you know, I I can't even. I don't. I don't, I don't know if Venom beautiful. thinks.
0: I don't know if Venom thinks it's edgy and badass at some level. I think Venom like kind of knows what it is. I don't think you get a line, like you get this weird therapist, like rom-com subplot, if it's not a little bit self-aware. Right. Um, I also think it is, I think it is less self-aware than it would need to be in order to justify everything in the movie, if that makes sense. Right. Like, I think it's like, I, I don't even, I don't, you know, maybe like halfway, right. Like it is half like, like, you know, like winking at itself doesn't realize that like it needs to be winking a whole lot harder in order for this whole thing to come together see
1: okay so i think this kind of comes down to like turd in the wind yeah <laughs> this is my you know what i mean like i think venom uses the turd in the wind line because you know whoever right Ruben fleischer Avi Arad, who's a huge piece of shit by the way is the producer of these movies um looked at that line and went oh what a badass what a cool line for a cool guy to say do you know what i mean whereas the rest of the movie book going public looked at that line and bust out laughing because it is hilariously bad do you know what i mean and like i think that is a it's kind of like fuck batman actually um from the titans trailer which I also get a similar, I, I also get a similar feelings from. I haven't seen Titans yet. I don't even know if it's fucking out. I have, like, the DC Universe stuff. But, like, I don't know. There's just something about that line that just, the the, the point of it is, oh, this is
0: so cool. Look at Robin. He says fuck. Like, you know what I mean? Like- yeah. I, 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 see, I don't know if I agree with you about the turn in the wind line. Because, like I said, I think, like, the, like, weird inanity of that line fits very well with that version of, of, like th- this character of Venom that they so presented you, so to you us. So
1: you think that, So you think the turn in the wood line was like intentionally doofy? It could,
0: like, I. It could be. Like, I think that's a distinct possibility. I also think it's possible that, like, they made this like intentionally doofy Venom, or they made this doofy Venom completely by mistake. And you know, like, I'm just rolling with it because I think it's great, right? Um, but I part of me wants to part of me wants to believe that like they made Venom as doofy as he is for the laughs, right? Like this 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 you know, this feels very like appropriate for like someone trying to ape a Marvel movie, right? Like um that that like you, you get you get that level of like dumb humor in there, right? <sighs> hmm. Um, interesting. And, you know, I, I'd also believe that it was completely by accident. Um and like I said like I said, I don't I feel like it's like maybe like 50 to 75% intentional and like 50 to 25%. Like, you know, I guess over... I
1: feel like I, 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 I almost sort of wonder if it's. Did Tom Hardy voice Venom? Who I don't know. Venom? Uh, that's something I want to like quickly find out. Yeah, that, that would be a. Uh... Um, because I think it has to do more with maybe the execution and performance and delivery. Yeah, so Tom Hardy also voices the Venom symbiote, okay? So here's my here's my idea. I bet. Man, I don't know. How, okay, I think this is Tom Hardy knowing that he's in this kind of a movie, but a lot of the other people around him don't. You know what I mean? The screenwriter, the producers, the director, right? So in a lot of ways, I think maybe it is just unique to to him that is able to, you know, like Tom Hardy understands how like weird and goofy and stupid this all is and is almost kind of making fun of it in a way. But I think there is an earnest belief from, you know, Ruben Fleischer from – you know, aviarad from whoever else. Right. That like, this is a cool movie that all of the teenagers will get really into because they shop at Hot Topic or whatever.
0: Yeah. Okay. I, I, I could believe that. I like, I
1: also think, I also think that if this movie had come out, this is kind of like a, a hot take. I think that if this movie had come out, maybe like 2004, it would have landed a lot better. Like, I think we would be having a kind of prequels argument about this movie if it had come out in 2004. Because I think if it had come out right in the middle of, like, the Linkin Park angsty teenager phase. Yeah, our our, our of, high
0: school <laughs> phase. It, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: I think people would have been like, oh, I love Venom! You know, like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like... I think that would have been... I think that would have been legit and real
0: um so 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 not not to not, not to veer too far but to get back to the original conversation my, my point was kind of like if you look at the rotten tomatoes page venom has like 90 percent audience like it with a 33 percent critical score right like um and uh just to kind of get back to your point about like the, the guilty pleasures when you've got like kind of like general consensus that the movie is still good despite itself does does that change the way that we should we should evaluate it in in, in some way
1: i think uh i think it should but it doesn't um specifically because i think people have a hard time sort of separating out these pieces for themselves right um there is it is in the same way that it is hard for someone to say star wars you know, in the same way that it's hard for somebody to say, How could you tell me that Kung Fu Panda is a better movie than Star Wars, right? Well, I think when you lay it out in a sense that's like, listen, this is a movie that was able to learn from Star Wars and also the 30 years of Star Wars-like movies that came out. So yeah, its beats are tighter and the character arcs are more sharp and focused. And Star Wars deserves a lot of credit for kind of being like the first one and everything like that. But it makes sense that over the course of the intervening 30 years, filmmakers would learn from that movie and be able to make a better version of like that movie, and you might be able to tell to, to to convince somebody of that, right? But I think people have a tough time sort of separating out these this idea of kind of uh, quality and taste, right? Um, and I think that there's also sort of like a knee jerk reaction to that, right? Because you hear that and you say, well, "No, no, no, no," right? I have good taste. Like I want, the, like you want your taste to feel quality, right? right so you say, right. "No, it's not that I like a movie that's bad." I have good tastes. This movie is good. Therefore, I like it. I like good movies. Do you know what I mean? And I think that that's just kind of like a symptom of uncritical thinking that sort of like revolves around, you know, like that revolves around this stuff.
0: I I, I feel that. I, I also think that like there's an aspect to this that like I think people are more willing to make those concessions for funny things, right? Like I feel like if you really like a, you know, quote unquote bad drama, Right, like, there's less room to work with because, like, a comedy that is bad that still manages, like, that means manages to be funny for the wrong reasons, still is a successful comedy at some level, right? Like, it's, it's, yeah. um, I don't think, I don't think you can be, you know, appropriately dramatic for the wrong reasons. I just don't think that that you can get I also that to think fall it out. Is,
1: I don't know that it's even possible to get invested in drama against the movie's sort of wishes, if that makes sense. Like yeah. if, if we're using that earlier kind of thing like I like Batman vs. Superman because I am with the movie and I am with the director, right? I see what it's trying to do and I appreciate it and I like it. I don't know, that, but, but with something like Venom or The Room or whatever, I see what they're trying to do but they don't and I'm laughing at it, right? Uh, for being so bad. Yeah, or being so ineffectual, or being so whatever it is, right? I don't know that you can have kind of an, you can get invested drama out of a movie that is trying. Like what? Like how would that? How would that? I'm thinking about that. Like I, I, I'm
0: think. Like I don't think this this ever happens. But I, I could envision like a plot where you get invested in the villain even though you're not supposed to, right? Like, the, the director's trying to paint that person as, like, terrible.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you mean, right? Like, all of the kind of, like, oh, whoever, you know, like, a character X was right all along. Right, kind of yeah, thing. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. That would be a pretty interesting example. I also think, to a certain extent, that maybe, like, uh, like, in a movie that's a comedy, but that really, you know, but, like, all comedies need a little bit of drama in order to kind of, like, work, right? Yeah. Like, maybe you get invested in... You know, like, so, for instance, Superbad. Did you watch Superbad when you were in high school?
0: Uh, at some point, yeah.
1: Yeah, Superbad came out, like, 2007, 2008, like, right when I was, like, a junior, senior, right? And I have very fond memories of that movie, but I wonder how intentional those kind of memories were. Because, like, I thought Superbad was an incredibly sharp and true-to-form depiction of what my high school experience was like right you know like i was watching all these other movies that kind of approximated it and sort of guessed at it right like all of like you know whatever the teenage movies um you know like the american pie movies or never been kissed or something like that you know like any of these movies about about sort of like high schoolers but super bad was a movie that i connected to like on a real level like i was like wow this is me and my friends this is what we are like but in movie form, right? And so maybe hypothetically speaking, you can connect with the drama in a comedy against the movie's wishes. I also find Superbad super funny, so I really don't know how far that goes. Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like it's it's possible, but it is much, much harder to accomplish. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I also think that we live in kind of like uh, uh, a post- Postmodern kind of irony sort of existence. Uh, And we're actually moving out of it in a lot of ways Um, in the sense that, like, you know, a lot of stuff I felt like earlier, like when I was in high school and college, was enjoyed ironically against its wishes, right? Um, And that we've kind of almost circled around back to earnestness in a way. Um, But that's like... Yeah. That's like a hard thing to kind of, like, wrap around, right? Like, I don't, like... You know i don't get into a show like modern family that's a very straightforward sitcom as easily as i get into a show like community right which is very like postmodern, reflexive sitcom that's making all these comments about sitcom structure um but while there are sitcoms that are like community that take down sitcoms right seinfeld is actually a very good example of this right that ultimately undermine and take down the the kind of art form of the sitcom um community does the opposite, where it reaffirms the sitcom and what the sitcom is and means and can represent to people and to things. Do you know what I mean?
0: I, I I think so. I think I follow you there. Yeah, uh, not
1: that Seinfeld isn't funny or anything like that, but you know, if insofar as the point of Seinfeld is these characters never learn any lessons, right they're all you know they're people that don't really change bad yeah Mm -hmm. they're terrible people bad stuff happens to them all the time and it's just funny to watch that or whatever right like i think that that's a very like you know 90s generation x disillusioned disaffected kind of take on on that but that, but what i see now is stuff like the office or parks and rec or community where like these characters are flawed Right, and they are funny, and they are also kind of like self-referential to like the art form or whatever. But at the end of the day, it is, um, you know, it's it's affirming, right? Like Michael Scott may be, you know, a doofus or whatever, and we laugh at him or whatever. But at the end of the day, like he's like a sweet guy, um, with uh, with like a good heart or whatever, and we're supposed to like him. Um, yeah, but I don't think it's universal, to... right?
0: Like, always sunny is incredibly popular, and it's definitely in that Seinfeld vein of like these are terrible people that you don't care you don't you don't care if anything terrible happens to them because they're terrible people, and it's okay to laugh at them, right?
1: No, yeah, that's definitely that. That's definitely like fair. That's definitely true. Um,
0: yeah, but I, I take yeah. your point. I, I I don't know how much if like they're necessarily separated by time frame. Like I I I bet you I, I that there's like an ebb and flow between when one styles in dominance and when one it's not because even even the age of Seinfeld right like there was Friends which is a very kind of like earnest sitcom, um
1: yeah very straightforward sitcom.
0: Uh. So, yeah I I, I but but I I bet you it's, it's just kind of like as as depending on people's attitudes or just you know like cultural tastes like one gains power one loses power because right? I do think there are more affirming sitcoms and they're more popular right now than like always sunny is popular, but like it does not have like the cumulative kind of, uh, kind of power of like your office, your PNR, your, uh, community. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I, and, and there are obviously like more examples on either side or whatever, but really the, the point I'm trying to make is that I think, our culture deals with irony a lot easier than it deals with earnestness. Um, and that I think we are moving out of that phase okay. sort of. Right. But like the room came out right in the middle of like this idea that you could enjoy. So you, you watch something ironically. Right. 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 Um, and in, in, in a certain sense, I think venom kind of follows in, in suit, but I wonder if you can watch a comedy ironically because you like the drama in it or something like that. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that, I don't know. Because I feel like for a lot of instances, for these
1: kinds of guilty pleasures, they are things that you are, like, earnestly getting into and you're saying, like, oh, this is, like, an underrated, you know, this is an underrated gem uh, to to use flippant movie people, film Twitter, circle jerk about
0: it. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. No. Uh, interesting. Very uh, I don't know. But the media theory is always like an in, interesting to me, right? Because like uh, yeah. You know the, the primary, the primary. Like I, I said it kind of before, but the primary purpose of movies is to entertain, and so like splitting out like th- those things is, is, is always an interesting talk. Um, well,
1: so there's a, so uh, I think the I am unsure of how much i like the idea that the primary purpose purpose of a movie is to entertain i think all media has one of three purposes blended together right to be informative to be persuasive and to be entertaining and i don't know that any one of those has like a necessary sort of primacy over the others Mm. because i think when you have a movie that's just entertaining it is forgettable right and you need a movie that is some way, you know, insofar as, like, kind of informative means true, right? Like, you need a movie that is true to, that that is, like, there, there's got to be something else there than just, it was fun.
0: Yeah, so, I, I think maybe we're using entertainment in different senses, because, like, I would say that if, if a movie is just entertaining, it's forgettable, then it wasn't that entertaining, right? Like, it didn't leave that mark on you. And I would, say, like, I would say that, like, like those other ingredients you mentioned, like push the movie towards being more entertaining. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's, I, I, I take your point. I, I think we were just using slightly different de- definitions of, of entertaining. Um, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I will certainly say that Venom was entertaining.
1: <laughs> yeah, Venom was entertaining. I probably, you know, at the end, of, the end of my head, I probably enjoyed Venom more than Deadpool 2 and. And man and the wasp
0: yeah no i'd agree i'd agree 100 i laughed i think i laughed a lot more in this
1: movie than in those two movies god <laughs> there's so much stuff in here oh my god like the part where okay the part where he's being chased through the woods and there are like the guards i really enjoy i really enjoy putting myself in the shoes of the guards in movies like this because you can tell that they're being just used as props and nobody's thinking about them or whatever, right? But there's this part where the guards are in, like, a fucking dune buggy or something. And they jump off of a, like, they, they like, jump off of a ramp. And I, I can just imagine to myself that those two guards are freaking out. Because why would they ever jump off of that ramp? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense. Like, one of the guards is like, yo, dude, look at this ramp. I'm totally going to jump after this fucking, like, alien nightmare creature. No, dude, don't do it. No, dude, I'm going to do it. Oh, it's so sweet. And like, you know what I
0: mean? Like, nobody. They, they also. Why? They also power slide into the fucking forest, right? Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like,
1: what? Oh, my God. Oh, man. Oh,
0: so there, there was a moment at the beginning that I thought was a missed <laughs> opportunity, um, and they, 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 they got it like so close, right? Like so, um, his boss says has have a nice nice life, and someone else, oh, the the uh, the CEO says have a nice life. Then he gets fired, and his boss says have a knife, have a nice life, um, and then his girlfriend breaks up with her him. And I thought that she was going to say, have a nice life. Right. And that would be like the, you know, the three references. And then she doesn't. I'm like, what, what was that? And then yeah, he says it at the very end. Yeah. As the guy's dying. Like I
1: get that. It's like throwing it back in his face or whatever, but (coughs) excuse me. And I get that he's like throwing it back in his face or whatever, but like, it's just not a very—I don't know. I get—I think they just think it sounds cool,
0: and it doesn't. Yeah, I, I think I think it would have worked better um, if uh, if if like it was only the CEO dude. Like, they either needed to do all three, or they needed to do just the CEO dude. Like the the boss, the boss doing it really throws off the the rhythm. Um, uh, but like, but I'm just holding there waiting for it to happen it, it was it, it was it was frustrating um because it, it felt like that would be a slam dunk right you get like three right in a row and it this it, it, it's, it's, it's movie is so weird i love it but it's it's, it's so weird I also
1: like how Eddie Brock is like, oh, man, my life sucks now, and I have all these overdue bills. And then it, like, gets to the interior of his apartment, and he has this giant, awesome apartment. <laughs> and I'm just kind of like, hey, man, maybe if you don't have, like, this super awesome loft, and you actually yeah, you, like have, like, a shitty, ratty apartment, maybe I would feel a little bit different about it. And I can tell that they wanted the big apartment because they needed to do that fight scene in the right, apartment. Right? right? <sighs> God, this movie...
0: Cause it's funny, cause like, the building looked about right, right, and like, the, like, yeah, ev- like, like you said, everything up until you actually get into the apartment seems about right. But it, 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 they, they, they could have, they were that close to like making it into like, like a real kind of shitty San Francisco apartment. Um, although that probably still would have been super fucking expensive because of San Francisco, but that's that's neither here nor there. Um.
1: Uh, yeah, I was wondering how much they were going to go in on kind of like I ha- like because obviously we have friends that live in San Francisco. I feel like I have more than the average knowledge about what's going on in San Francisco at any given time. Um, and so, like, I actually thought the homeless thing was kind of cute. Yeah, I was like, oh, I get that. You know, like that's a real, you know, like that's a real thing. Uh, it,
0: <laughs> I, I feel like there would be a number of people who'd be like, that's a great th- way to deal with the homeless. Um. Because they're... They <laughs> just
1: kill them for science.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, they're... I mean,
1: I, I, I actually sort of thought that that's what they were. I, I At first, I thought this movie was like a kind of a Silicon Valley, you know, sort of um, disrupt the market billionaire kind of takedown right like this is kind of like the elon musk takedown and he has that whole speech where he's like oh man we're doing silence science and i'm gonna put my hand on the fucking glass and you're gonna put your hand on the glass like we're in titanic or something yeah and uh you know your sacrifice is gonna make the world a better place or whatever but then they didn't really go anywhere, didn't really go anywhere with that
0: yeah you know it's it's, it's unfortunate because um i, I like i I th- I thought that whole thing was doofy too, right? In the, in the same kind of like vein, I feel like the 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 mad genius thing was was like played played up a little bit, like 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 in the same way that like Venom is doofy, that he felt kind of doofy too, which is why I think maybe it was a little bit less just on Tom Hardy, um, yeah, because uh, that whole like that whole like like. Uh, I was reminded of, like, Raul Julia in in the the Street Fighter movie um, as Bison, right? Like, the same type of, like, corn uh, on top of cheese, right? Like, I could totally see this character being like, for for you, it was the most important day of your life. For Bison, it was Tuesday, right? Like, it it, it just, oh. oh, man. Man, I hope it was intentional. That way they can make another one and they can laugh at it more. Uh, I mean,
1: did you, like, the post-credits sequence, did you stay for Yeah, uh, yeah, carnage? for Carnage, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh my god. I, it would have been funny if I hadn't, like, didn't know that because it got reported. It was, like, widely reported uh, two, three I, months ago that Woody Harrelson was going to play Carnage. They, they said Woody Harrelson was going to play Carnage in the Venom movie, and then it was later corrected to be, oh no, he just has a small role. And I was like, wait, really? The only other interesting character in this like whole universe is get, being in the second movie? Because um, Carnage, Like, there is some... Li- like, I don't know who Riot is. I read right. a ton of comics, and I have never seen Riot before. I read the comic... Venom versus Carnage which introduces a third symbiote called Toxin. There's a, there's uh, a bunch
0: of symbiotes. Like they've all yeah, There's they've, a whole bunch of them, right? Like
1: but I've never seen I've never seen Riot before. Yeah, they're... And so the idea that they are saving Riot for the sequel is kind of like it's kind of like in the Green Lantern movie saving Sinestro for the sequel. It's like listen, you don't start a you don't start a Batman movie by doing you know Victor Zaz. you do a headliner do do a fucking headliner and the only headliner in the venom universe is carnage um insofar as you're gonna make venom the, the
0: i think the, so the i guy. think riot's one of the i'm, I'm looking at it now because he's one of there There was like a like a a, a team of symbiotes that that all this scream Lasher, phage agony and riot i think they're oh like cops if i'm reading this right yeah, there was something like that, right? Like there, there was there was a a uh, I don't know if it was a mini series or a series um uh that uh that that uh um that revolved around them as like a plot point um so I guess it's like a shout out to to super fans uh yeah I guess
1: the cool thing so the the thing with Venom um is that the the Venom Eddie Brock, like, like, synthesis in the comics is actually not super great. In the same way that the Spider-Man, uh, like, uh, symbiote synthesis is not super great. Um, which is why Venom is typically not very goopy um, in, like, the comics, right? Like, he get the, the, the symbiote can actually create webbing, right? And creates sort of Spider-Man's webbing for a while. Um, and Venom does that exact same thing, right? But he doesn't get, like, goopy... Because the symbiote is at its core, it just wants to like eat and kill everything. Um, And Spider Man, or like Peter Parker and Eddie Brock both hold it back from that, right? Because Peter Parker is a good person. Eddie Brock thinks he's a good person. um, And so they are relatively kind of like whole uh, beings with it. But the thing that makes Carnage unique and the thing that makes Carnage so dangerous is that Carnage bonds to cletus cassidy who's a serial killer right he's like a sociopathic serial killer who doesn't give a fuck so he has a much more complete bond with the symbiote itself and therefore can unlock its like full goopy potential so like most you know most of the comic drawings of the eddie brock era of venom that you will see are very you know um kind of like contained um. Whereas the most drawings of that same era of Carnage are all always have goop flying and going everywhere. Um,
0: Is does Carnage have a separate personality in a uh, not Carnage? Uh, Venom have a separate personality in the comics. Uh,
1: yes, ish, kind of. Um, in the sense that, like, the the Carnage symbiote is specifically worse than venom um, in the, in the comic venom versus uh, carnage for instance uh, so okay so the the symbiotes are asexual right. um, and they re- and they reproduce asexually um, so venom just builds up enough energy to one day poop out carnage and then carnage bonds with cletus Cassidy right um, the carnage the the way the symbiotes work is that they are always more powerful than the last one right? Um, so like whenever a symbiote quote unquote gives birth, the the symbiote it gives birth to is more powerful um, than it is. And so hypothetically speaking, uh, Carnage is more powerful than Venom just because it is like Venom's like kid, and then Carnage is the one that spits out toxin, and toxin is more powerful than both of them.
0: Okay, uh, sorry. Um, I mean like in terms of in terms of personality, is Venom is. Does Venom have a unique, identifiable personality outside of Eddie Brock where he does in the movie oh, in the oh. comics? Oh, uh, I, uh,
1: I don't actually kind of know. Okay. I want to say yes, but I don't know. I mean, the so, the, yes in the sense that it doesn't have the same, um... It doesn't have the same, I guess, backstory in a way. Like, a lot of Venom's whole thing is kind of like a jilted ex-lover with Spider-Man, right? Yeah. Venom wants to take down Spider-Man um, specifically because uh, Spider-Man abandoned it. So there's this, like, there's that whole sure. idea, I guess, to it or whatever. Um, Carnage, doesn't, Carnage doesn't give a fuck. Carnage just wants to kill dudes and eat their
0: brains. Okay um yeah well i feel like we, we've we run over on the uh on the spider-man or even the spider-man the venom portion uh yeah. you, you have any final thoughts on it
1: i uh you know i really don't i <laughs> i think we got i think we got there yeah
0: all right sounds good so uh in that case how how was your week
1: uh my week was good so you know what i, I could, okay i want to talk about something and it's gonna be crazy i want to talk about <gasps> a book oof I I, uh, I started listening I didn't actually read a book um, it was an audiobook I started listening to the audiobook god what's it called' um, um, I think it's called American Kingpin um, the epic hunt for the criminal mastermind behind the Silk Road have you ever heard of this book no do you know who uh, Ross Ulbricht is oh oh
0: yeah 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 no I, I know about this like you know they, they yeah I I have I've calling him a kingpin's interest in considering, considering that I usually, the takes I usually see are of the kind of like, Ross Ulbricht really didn't do much wrong. And then it was like the, like, you know, he was being hunted down to be made an example of more than, more than anything else. Um, Really? Yeah.
1: Wow. I would recommend this book then. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think this book, this book paints a very, um simultaneously flattering and unflattering uh i guess i would say um picture of of ross ulbricht because you kind of understand where he's coming from and he feels so normal and maybe this is just because like i am also you know like a white guy that went to uh that like went to college and i know plenty of people who are kind of like quote unquote like this person um, in a weird way, I almost have the same feeling of. Uh, do you, have you ever heard of the banality of evil?
0: Uh, no, I haven't.
1: The banality of evil is like a is a book written um about Nazis at the end of the Holocaust. Um, and it's not it's not people like Hitler, right? Um, or any anybody on those kinds of levels. It's specifically about how, you know, when we think of what we think of as evil right we dehumanize it naturally and we say oh these people are monsters right but at the end of the day like real evil is perpetrated by very relatable kind of uh like very relatable kinds of people right um and this contributes to all things you know this contributes to things in a lot of different ways right like brock turner gets a different sentence because he is a you know he is a relatable person to a, a judge who is also a Stanford alum, right, 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 than someone who is a you know someone who does the exact same thing but is not quite as like quote unquote like relatable, right, right. Um, so so yeah so uh, yeah because Ross Ulbricht is truly a monster. Um, by the end of the book, he doesn't he doesn't start there; he gets there, um, and the book is very well researched and insanely like. Like it is, it is really detailed and they talk about some of the, um, you know, like some of the interviews and some of the different techniques that they use to make it kind of like narr, like narrativized. Um, you know, like the writer was going to, um, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the writer was going to like almanacs and stuff to get what the weather was like, where they were standing, you know, at specific kind of like dates and times, um but uh but yeah it was a really good book it was super interesting i cannot believe no one has made a movie out of this story because it is such a good story um yeah and yeah
0: i know i know there's a bunch of stuff about like prosecutorial misconduct with specifically like the i think it's the murder for hire aspect um of the story i know I mean, his his mom is um kind of active in in defending his relative in like I, I think i think like the, the the drug kingpin stuff i think is mostly undisputed but you get like you get disagreements about how wrong that really is you know um uh, just you know for for full clearness i have heard heard of this stuff mostly through through reason which is a libertarian publication um and so they yeah, have Yeah
1: obviously yeah obviously the, Ross is primarily motivated by his kind of like ancap libertarian yeah. uh viewpoint
0: um and uh it like the the stuff I've all read is that like the the like the, they kind of railroaded him, uh, in, in a way that that is uh, th- that would be similar to something that you would hear on like I guess uh like like making of a murderer is is the type of thing that I've I've heard it being compared to. Um, they suppressed a lot of a lot of stuff, but you know who who I am interested because I would like to hear that that other side since I've mostly only seen heard it in the in the one direction.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, the. I don't know how important the murders were because he got he had a life sentence for some of the charges and then forty years on top of that for some of the other charges, um, but I don't know what it uh, I don't know what it is the the basically what he does is he commissions people to be murdered because he creates criminal contacts with the Hell's Angels and um, and hackers that are stealing Bitcoin from him and stuff like that he hires the he hires the Hell's Angels to Kill those people. Um, yeah, I, I, and
0: I I think the the controversy there is that was never in fact that was never prosecuted, right? That was dropped. So so the the big kind of overarching point from like this you know this this libertarian perspective is those charges were dropped and he was never even he was never charged on them, but the judge used those charges to enhance his oh, sentence. Oh, I
1: see. what – Yeah, 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 yeah. The judge used um that as evidence because he okay because the murder. I'm actually looking it up now. Yeah, because he was. It was conspiracy to traffic narcotics, money laundering, and computer hacking.
0: Right, which are all um, nonviolent charges, right? Like they, those are things that like you might like a life sentence for those things is probably arguable, right? Like I, I don't, we don't need to get into the, the super specifics of it, but the judge used the fact that he had been charged with, or he had been, I guess he'd been charged with it, but he was he was never tried or convicted for it. He used the fact that he was charged with it to to uh, extend his sentence. Uh, which is which is kind of like the you know, the, the other side of this coin. Interesting. No, I I I I, I definitely down to, to kind of see see it from uh from the perspective where where he's the villain um because again like a lot of this stuff comes from his mom and his mom is obviously a biased kid yeah
1: i mean so part of this also is that i suspect you might read this book and say he's not the villain he did get railroaded okay right i because i've read this book and i see you know because of like where my politics sort of lie and i legitimately think that this kind of thing is uh like (laughs) fairly monstrous um that uh you know like that he that he, it's kind of like a Breaking Bad sort of story, sure. right? Where he starts off kind of like relatable and I kind of understand where he's coming from, but very clearly the power and the thrill of it goes to his head. And the book addressed this, right? Like right. how quick, how hard it was for him to make the first call to have someone killed, right? But also how easy it was for him to continue having people killed down the line right and he justifies that to himself just by saying right they took something of mine eye for an eye therefore they they you know they need to be killed
0: what, what's, what's the source that? Like, like i said i i think that was never never proven like did, did he like admit to that or is this just like uh ne- ne- no no the,
1: the sourcing of that so uh when the fbi seized his laptop they were able to get millions of chat logs okay, that okay. had with all of these people around the site um, and he had specifically a confidant named, uh, Variety Jones, who is a much more, uh, kind of typical, um, uh, m- you know, like much more typical bad, bad guys, right? Um, Variety Jones is a Canadian guy who has all of these kinds of stories that nobody really knows the truth of, about how much of a criminal badass he is or whatever. And he was doing a lot of this dark web stuff before the Silk Road came along, um, and he was also one of the people that, uh, th- that um, suggested, I guess, to, to Ross to like end up killing uh, to end up killing people. And, and was part of like the, you know, was part of like the leadership team that kind of like made him go down that path in a way. Um, even though even though the amount of money that Ross was making off of the Silk Road, was kind of insane. Like really at the end of the day, like hackers stealing a hundred thousand dollars in Bitcoin from him is kind of immaterial. Uh because he like he he was just a multimillionaire by that point and this stuff is sure. pocket change.
0: <clears throat> sure, sure. All right, interesting. I'll, I'll I'll have to give it a read. Um yeah. do you have anything else with the week that you want to talk about?
1: Uh I guess... I, what did you do with your week? Uh, I just used, like, all my time, I
0: feel like. Yeah, no worries. Um, I didn't do a ton. I went to Comic-Con yesterday. Um, nice. This will go up during the last day of Comic-Con. I did not... Um, I did not uh, go today, or... Uh, I only went for one day. Um, saw some cool stuff. Um, I don't know. I'm, I think I'm spoiled by Gen Con, because, like you know gen cons like you play a lot of games and whatever right and like the the dealer hall is kind of like a thing you do but it's it's like a it's like a, a short part of the activity it feels like at comic-con like the dealer's hall is like 90 of what you do there plus like and the panels were kind of more side things and uh i don't know it just it, it is not as it was not, not as fun to me as as gen con is it's also not as fun to me as um various anime conventions i've been to i think i think I think I, I like anime conventions because um I like watching people cosplay. I think I think it's neat that when people put a lot of work into that kind of stuff. Um uh, and I think the density is just higher of, of people doing cosplay at, at anime conventions. Also, because it is such an important part, I think there's more dedicated space to people showing off their cosplay. Um, yeah. um and they're usually not as kind of like the anime industry isn't as big as kind of like the aggregated nerd industry, like fucking Chevrolet and Geico had booths at New York comic-con. Um, wow. uh, but yeah, that was, uh, that was most of it. What else did I do? I played more, uh, <laughs> played more Crusader Kings. I played more, uh, I played a little bit of the magic, the gathering arena. That's a fine game. I just, I don't know. Magic is one of those games where like, I don't know. I, I, I have trouble getting deep into it, um just because like there's so there's there's um it's got like kind of like the the knowledge base problem of any trading card game except times a billion um so you know i've been i've been goofing around with that (sighs) what else um oh something i wanted to ask you about have have you been following the uh the paizo updates to the playtest
1: uh, a little bit uh it did v what is it v4 or v4, i five? think it's I three remember. or
0: four came out recently the big thing being the, the treat wounds application I wanted to know what you thought of that
1: i did not see i have not seen that so the, so it would break it down for me okay
0: so the way treat wounds works is um uh it's an application of the of the medicine skill um whatever it's called and uh it's you can take 10 minutes and heal i believe it's character level plus constitution worth of hit points um you have to make a check uh that scales with the healer's level um okay it's people are, are not happy about those not about the way that that uh that mechanic works specifically the scaling works but that's i think neither here nor it's not the interesting part to me um and you can do it as many times as you want but it takes 10 minutes each time um but if you critically, if you if you critically fail, um, they're bolstered against this. So you can't do it to them again. Um, okay. Uh, and they also reduce the time on like repairing things and identifying magic items to ten minutes. So you've kind of got this thing where like, while the guy's patching you up, you can be doing like a repair or like uh, or, or an identification or something like that. Uh, do you have Do you have any thoughts?
1: Um, I think that that's okay. I guess. Uh, I'm a little... How often is a critical failure going to come up, do you think?
0: Um, not super often, but often enough since it's scaling with the character... The DC is scaling with the character level. Um, it basically they want this to be, like, the replacement for the the Wand of Cure Light Wounds kind of situation.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, ge- I guess I get it from that situation. I don't like the Wand of Cure Light Wounds, and I think it is... I don't know. I hope they balance the game a little bit around it. I, you know, I like using hit points as a longer term resource, but if the the idea is that hit points are going to be healed to full after every fight, I I feel um, I feel
0: like that'd be harder to do because that's like an hour or two of in-game time, right? Like, like maybe you can do that if you're on the road or, like, you know, like, not in a high-stakes situation, but if you're in a dungeon, I, I think you can Oh, get, but like, are you going
1: to wait an hour to, to spam heal? Yeah, and, like... Okay, okay, that's are, actually kind of fair.
0: Are, are there consequences to that? I'm actually... I actually think... Um, this will play really well with um, uh, the Angry GM's exploration rules. Um, he basically has a system where, like, kind of every 10... Like, every time the party stops to do something... Um, everybody chooses something to do and like 10 minutes passes and 10 minute spells fall off and longer spells have 10 minutes directed from just, uh, detracted from the duration. And he has this dice pool, um, that he, that you build up. It's usually D sixes. You can change the dice size if you want it to be more or less dangerous. Um, and at any time that, uh, something could go wrong. I think it is. I, I think I have this article up. Hold on. Let me, let me double check. Um, uh, what, whenever the party attempts allowed or rushed tasks, the GM rolls for complications. Um, and I think once it hits six dice, you also roll them. Um, and if any of them come up a one, uh, uh, something happens. Right. Um, and then the dice pool, I think once you roll the dice pool clears, um, regardless if anything happens or not, uh,
1: okay. Yeah, I actually, okay, that makes sense. I feel like I'll probably end up uh, integrating some form of, like, if too much time passes and they're just sitting in the dungeon, bad stuff, you know, happens or whatever. So, we're like, maybe you get one free 10-minute, you know, maybe you get one free 10-minute rest, but, like, other ones you risk a patrol coming, you know what I mean? Like, that yeah, yeah, kind of thing, yeah. right? so, so in I, the same way...
0: I, I can speak. One of my, my, my 5e GM uses the, the angry rules, and I can vouch there that it's great because, like, Chris, the GM, will just like pull a D6 out and put it in the pool, like, very dramatically. And we're all like, oh no, fuck, do we want to keep fucking around, right? Like, I, I think it's yeah. actually a really good system. Um, I'll, I'll link in the show notes. Um, and then everybody, including you, can read it. Um, and uh, uh, obviously. You know I, they're not building this into the, the 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 core pathfinder rules but i think that this would dovetail in very nice to to make that super meaningful uh sorry i i didn't i didn't mean to to, to talk over you. Did, you did you have anything else you want to say about it
1: no that's that's kind of fair i haven't been keeping up with it because frankly i haven't really been doing a lot of stuff i've been worried about or not worried about but i've just had my uh time and attention focused elsewhere um uh, did you see the extended Aquaman trailer at at New York Comic Con?
0: Um, no, I didn't. I didn't do anything particularly comic Conny at Comic at Comic Con because the lines okay, because
1: they, they they released a five minute extended trailer for Aquaman, which I actually think is kind of awesome. I sort of wish that instead of getting three trailers of like variously recut footage, two minutes each, I sort of like the here's a teaser. It's two minutes long. Here's a bigger five minute, you know, sort of uh, sort of trailer for the movie. Um, I find myself being a giant hypocrite (laughs) because there's there's a little bit of like bathos humor in it, but it feels good to me. And I laugh really hard and I'm like, oh, but I make fun of this so bad in all these other movies and I get really mad about it. And I can tell that once Aquaman comes out, I'm going to be like, oh, the humor was great. (laughs)
0: yeah we were we were uh joking uh you know uh what is it uh uh what's venom confirmed better than than aquaman uh just you know to uh, to wrestle your jimmies Yeah, Uh, yeah
1: i am extremely excited i can't wait i like no obviously because aquaman is my favorite superhero i really like jason momoa i even i like basically everything i've seen out of this out of this movie so far um like, Black Manta, man. Oh, God. Anyway.
0: Um, so, so a thought that, that a friend of the cast, Rohan, had that I thought was kind of insightful, a little bit surprising, was uh, that it looks kind of like an off-brand Thor 1. Um, which
1: uh, is... You know, that's actually kind of fair. I mean, in a lot of ways, Thor... I think the main comparison is going to be Black Panther. I'm pretty sure. sure I know what the plot of the movie is going to be. Um, though I guess I won't say it because in the case that my speculation is a spoiler. And so I think it is going to be a reverse Black Panther. Um but um uh it, there is also a lot of like Thor to it. I mean Thor has always been my favorite Marvel character. So, you know, the kind of um like the otherworldliness of Asgard mirrored by the otherworldliness of atlantis definitely makes like a certain amount of sense yeah but though they're also they're also like different in key ways like one of the cool things about atlantis that i always enjoyed is um like atlantis is like really they're right in a way but they're also like very like bigoted against the surface world and so there's always that tension and push and pull for aquaman um where, you know, he's a, he grew up on the surface, right, but he is also Atlantean and, like, the rightful king to the to the Atlantean throne. Um, and Atlanteans think that the surface world are awful. They're polluting the planet. They're, like, destroying these oceans and stuff like that. And so uh, Atlantis always wants to, like, fuck up the surface world and be like, hey, stop being jerks. This is our place, obviously. Um, and I like that tension a lot better than the kind of, like, Milk toast. Oh, Asgard and and humans, we'd get along just fine. Fair enough. Uh, um, in the in the Thor stuff.
0: Is the general world aware of uh, Atlantis in in DC?
1: No. Okay. Uh, well, so d- it depends. Um, obviously, so like w- like where in the continuity you kind of are, because like so for instance in. Um, in kind of, like, mainline DC continuity from, like, the 80s, from, like, 1986 to 2000-ish. Uh, like, 2011, I think, is really when that continuity sort of, like, dies. Uh, Aquaman reveals himself pretty quickly. He's a member of the UN, right? Um, that Like, that's a whole sort of storyline. Uh, magic exists, and everybody knows magic exists. Uh, Atlantis is the center of magic on, um, on Earth and um, is uh it's the center of magic on earth and it's like where sorcerers go and like come from right like all like the most powerful magicians in the dc universe like reference and name check like atlantis all the time um but uh but yeah there's like a bunch of there's like a bunch of stuff like there's this one actually thing where aquaman like sends a tidal wave to pearl harbor in a superboy comic because superboy does something like really stupid um And he ends up, like, fucking up a bunch of shit. And it's one of those things where, like, in comics, because everything, like, the stakes are so big that nobody really thinks about the fact that, like, you know, America went to war over uh, an enemy nation attacking Pearl Harbor, but they just kind of brush it off in the Superboy comic. Wait, really? I I
0: thought that was just going to be, like... That sounds to me like the most on-the-nose kind of thing, right? Declaration of War. (laughs) No,
1: it's literally... I think it's literally that Superboy is just, like, in Hawaii, but then something happens, like, with a missile or something, and it, like, does something to, like, fuck up, you know. Superboy does something stupid. It fucks up an Atlantis something, and then Aquaman comes and basically spanks him for being, like, a rowdy teenager. Um but because this is the scale of Superboy and Aquaman, that includes Aquaman sending a fucking tidal wave. <laughs> it's a whole thing. Um, but, like, but then, you know, like much later in the continuity, right, um, uh, when, Orm, uh, when Aquaman's brother Orm is in charge of, uh, when he's king of Atlantis, he sends a tidal wave to the east coast uh, that like destroys Boston. Um, because of a, uh, like, there's a, there's a United States missile test that destroys an Atlantean colony or something in the Pacific, and it's, like, vengeance for that. And that is taken dead serious, and everyone is, like, wow, holy shit, this is some, like, war crime atrocity stuff.
0: Interesting. Um, (laughs) how does... How does Orm become king? Do they, like, take turns? Is that- uh,
1: sort of. Like, Aquaman falls in and out of his kingship. Okay. Um, so, like, for instance, they actually reveal in a Justice League comic that the person who sank Atlantis was actually Aquaman himself. And he had to uh, because they all, they all go back in time 3,000 years ago to when Atlantis sank. Um, and they have to defeat a super-powerful sorceress who is draining all of the water in the world to Atlantis, and so she would end up killing all of the surface dwellers or whatever. And so the only way to defeat her, um, and Aquaman was turned into an enchanted body of water at the time, is they take Aquaman from the enchanted body of water, add him to the ocean, so that the entire ocean is a body of what is is his, like, his body. Um, and he sinks atlantis in order to make her spell fail and allow people not to die um i'm gonna
0: let you know that that sounds incredibly stupid
1: i i understand that sounds incredibly stupid but it's really awesome okay there's also a little bit more to it it's not even just that she's draining water it's that she's draining water from the present and in the past three thousand years ago he needs to sink atlantis in order to like ripple forward through time to defeat her in the present. So it's actually even stupider than it sounds, <laughs> but it's also awesome. And you just got to trust me on this. But anyway, after that happens, everyone is like, Oh shit, you're the reason that Atlantis sank. And then Aquame becomes a criminal from Atlantis. Um, because obviously he committed the crime of sinking Atlantis and then Orm comes into power and then there's a commu- and then there's a, a reset and I think that this is kind of the continuity that we're gonna be dealing with in the movie where Aquaman is a surface hero with Atlantean ties and he has and he was king of Atlantis for a little bit, but he abdicated the throne to his brother Orm because he kind of didn't really fit in um, and he was like a very fish out of water. So then he's just being okay. like a superhero running around with the Justice League or whatever, and then Orm uh, is like, fuck you, I'm attacking Boston or whatever, and Aquaman needs to um, reassert his kingship in order to prevent war between the surface world and Atlantis. Wouldn't he be the opposite
0: of a fish out of water?
1: I mean, sure. (laughs) That's just just a funny (laughs) turn of phrase. Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, Um, It's a whole thing. Interesting. Um, well, I'm
1: very excited to go into like the minutia of like Aquaman lore, sure. whenever that movie comes out and we get um, into the podcast, I'm sure.
0: Um, I'm sure we'll talk about Aquaman some more next week, given that's our three year anniversary. And I think it's going to, we've decided it's a hype train episode. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we won't restrict it to video games. Uh, so, uh, uh, we can talk about that more next week. That, that sound good to you?
1: That sounds good to me.
0: All right. Well, if you'd like to talk to us and tell us what you're hyped for, uh, what you thought of Venom, uh, what you thought of any of the things we talked about on this <laughs> podcast, you can uh, email us at com or somderpsplaygames at gmail.com. Um, you can go to our website, uh, and it basically just list this podcast. But hopefully at some point we'll put something else interesting up there. You can follow us on SoundCloud. You can follow us on Twitch. Um, at some point we will finish Shells Rebels. Um, what else? Uh, you should rate us and review us on iTunes because it will help us get found by people uh, instead of just uh, sound, SoundCloud lists and selling services. Um, and uh, like this on YouTube because I've started exporting and uploading these to YouTube. Um, and uh, that that link will be in the description. It's We don't have enough uh, subscribers to get a custom URL, so it's just the auto-generated one. So I can't... Uh, I, I, I'm not going to bother giving it to you. Yeah. Uh, uh, the audially, orally. That, that, sound, that sounds bad. Anyway, um, Buddy, do you have anything you wanted to promote?
1: I have nothing else I'm looking to promote. In that
0: case, until next time, dear listeners.
1: Until next time, loyal listeners.